0: An increase in amputations in Edmonton, a Haitian migrant dies trying to cross the border, Canfor pulp mill closing for good, and two good news stories about two of the world's richest men. Good morning. It's Thursday, January 12th. Here are your headlines. This morning, we start with a really grim investigation from CBC Edmonton. A report by Taylor Lambert has found that there's been a major spike in the number of amputations that have been done in the city in the past year. He writes that, quote, There have been more amputations than the previous three years combined and more than double any other year over the past decade. Temperatures alone don't explain the spike. Instead, it's strained social services that leave people out in the streets or in flimsy shelter overnight, exposing them to the elements and resulting in dying limbs. CBC had asked the Alberta Health Service for this data, and they had responded that they don't track it. But through access to information, they were able to find that there had been a stunning 786 amputations performed in 2021-22. One doctor confirmed that his colleagues had noticed this trend, and nearly all of the folks that had amputations had no permanent address. This is a crisis among Edmonton's unhoused population, which is disproportionately indigenous, racialized, queer, and otherwise marginalized. These amputations are mostly related to frostbite, a combination, of course, of the cold temperatures in Edmonton, and a lack of access to warm and stable housing. And it's not just these amputations. Lambert writes that, quote, In 2022, Edmonton saw an outbreak of Shigella, a bacteria which causes dysentery and is typically found in areas where people lack access to basic sanitation, unquote. Outreach workers told Lambert that they also had noticed an increase in amputations and that there is a critical need for policymakers and politicians to adopt strategies like Housing First to make sure people have a place to sleep and a place to live that is safe and warm. Now to Quebec, where at Roxham Road, one of the border crossings between Quebec and the United States Fritz Snell Richard was found dead just before Christmas as he tried to cross the border to join his family in the United States. CBC Montreal is reporting that Richard had managed to make contact with his wife just before he died to tell her that he loved her, but he wasn't feeling very well and he might die. He died from hypothermia. Richard and his wife... Fled Haiti first to Brazil and then to the United States with hopes of making it to Canada, which they managed to do. But once they were here, his wife found that it was very difficult to work. She couldn't secure the right paperwork. And so she went back to the United States. The report by Verity Stevenson says that this is not unheard of, that there have been other Haitian refugees that have come to Canada only to go back to the States after having found it difficult to get work in Canada. Verity quotes Julia Sand from Amnesty International, who blames the lack of safety at the border in part on the fact that the so-called safe third country agreement is still in place. This is the agreement that Canada relies on to reject refugees that come from the United States because it recognizes the United States as a safe third country. This agreement is currently being challenged in the Supreme Court on the basis that it is unconstitutional. Sange said, quote, it's fully within Canada's power to end its involvement in the safe third country agreement and to allow all asylum seekers to seek safety in Canada. And doing that would help eliminate irregular crossings and eliminate the really dangerous conditions under which people cross between these official ports of entry. It's so heartbreaking to know that Richard was just trying to get to the United States, something that he could have done in a car or on a bus or on a train or on a plane like Anybody else, but just because of his status and just because of these laws that he paid for it with his life. A child has lost his father, a woman has lost her husband, and all because Canada refuses to just loosen its border restrictions with the United States. Now to Prince George, British Columbia, where Canfor Pulp has announced yesterday that one of its four Prince George mills will close for good. This means a loss for 300 jobs. The phase-out will be finished by the end of March. Workers at the plant are represented by the Union, Public and Private Workers of Canada, Local 9, and the layoffs will follow the process outlined in the collective agreement. There's a lot of volatility in the pulp and paper industry in Canada, and these layoffs are related to that. There's slowdowns and other downsizing that's happening, partly blamed on the pandemic and partly blamed on changes in the economy. And finally, some good news this morning. First, the US National Labor Relations Board has formally recognized the Amazon Union at the Staten Island Amazon location. This is the group of activists who were successful in getting that union vote through where so many other attempts have failed at Amazon facilities across the United States. The news was announced by Chris Smalls, one of the lead organizers of The Drive, who you might have seen or remembered in many of the videos celebrating the the successful votes. Congratulations to the folks at the Amazon Union, Staten Island, and here is hoping for good news at Amazon warehouses across North America, including at the many warehouses in Canada where Union Drives are currently underway. But enough of Jeff Bezos and hopefully some of his wealth being eaten away by his workers, let's talk about Elon Musk. I wouldn't raise Elon Musk on this podcast unless it was for a really funny reason, and here it is. The Guardian UK is reporting that Elon Musk just broke an impressive world record. He experienced the largest loss of personal wealth in the history of, well, the world. (laughs) The news was announced by the Guinness Book of World Records. Musk has lost an astounding $182 billion since November 2021, though Guinness says that it's possible that the loss is closer to $200 billion. The massive shoot in his wealth is largely blamed on the Tesla stock losing money, though I think that we also, those of us who are addicted to Twitter, can take some glee in the fact that it was probably triggered by Musk's decision to purchase Twitter. Oh, it's so rare that you get to see a good news story related to Twitter. <laughs> Before Musk, the record holder was Mayoshi Son, a Japanese tech investor who lost $58.6 billion in 2000. 58.6, that's a long way from almost 200 billion. Musk just rocket-chipped himself past Sun's record by nearly three times the amount. So congratulations Elon Musk, and if you're on Twitter today, take a moment to celebrate. (laughs) That's all for this morning. It's Thursday, January 12th. I'm Nora. I hope you have an excellent day.